episode zero. We are here. How's it going? <laughs> How's everybody? it going, everybody? Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Welcome to episode zero, the ground floor for the Glad Trad podcast. Glad Trads. That's us. We're we're not we're not mad trads. Not, mad, not yet. Not, not <laughs> yeah. Yet. Maybe there'll be a devolution, you know, throughout this whole thing. <laughs> little by little. Those, one by episode hundred, like, welcome to Glad Trad Podcast. Put the cigarette here. <laughs> uh, my name is Jordan Pacheco. And I'm Rodolfo Carlos. And this podcast is going to be focused on, there's a lot of things that traditionalists, and I would say now, especially even uh, what might be considered before conservatives in the church, should be concerned about. Uh, we are certainly going through a lot of very dark days with the summer of shame behind us, with the recent Amazon Synod. There are church closures all over the place, a lot of bad stuff. So we wanted to focus on some positive things, because even though we are in a dark place, sure, there are also a lot of very positive things happening in the church that might make you just a little bit happier throughout the day. Yeah, absolutely. There's plenty of good news. And uh, if if it's not being reported, then uh, it's still going on. You know, we we have the, the holy sacrifice of the mass. That's a, a great thing. Uh, it's easy to forget, you know, amidst all the scandal and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah. We wanted to make this podcast to focus on the good things because uh, it's very easy to focus on the bad. And uh, as you probably experience in your own life, if you focus too much on the bad, it, it spoils everything. There's also <laughs> absolutely right. And there's also this prerogative, I think, amongst traditional Catholics nowadays that, sure, uh, you know, we could talk about all the bad things going on in the church, maybe in your own parishes and old parishes. Um, but there's also this rising star of tradition and it's happening, not just here in the United States, it's happening abroad. There are more and more Catholics, especially young Catholics who are being woken up to the sorts of abuses going on. And they know that the best way they can fix it is, as Rudy said, discovering the, the Ursus Antiquior, discovering the beauty of the traditional mass, traditional liturgy and the traditional Catholic way of thinking. Uh, there are a lot of little microtomists running around now, which is probably something that a lot of people 50 years ago would never have envisioned again. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, I, people are realizing that they have to feed themselves before they can go out and uh, affect the culture, et cetera, et cetera. And I think a lot of people are looking for tradition and authentic uh, Catholicity. Uh, so that, I think that has something to do with the rise of, of traditionalism, uh, with a small T. Also, we have the best memes. You ever notice that? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh man, there's, there's we're in a we're in a now. we're in a we're in a twilight of uh, authentic Catholic media culture, and that also includes kind of a new sort of Catholic art coming around too. Yeah, it's a, a very strange evangelization with with memes. I, I, could you even call it that? I'm not even. I think so. I think, think so. Uh, listen, yeah. I, I some think of them are yeah. later on the show. We have to have there are there are two two young te uh, teenage girls still actually or very very young adult who go to our church our parish. Uh, oh yes, and that's we right. we yeah. attend the we attend Saint Vitus, which is the fraternity of Saint Peter's uh, residential home here in beautiful Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. uh, Deo gracias, because it took a Absolutely. second for us to get that church right. Yeah. Um, and so what's funny point being is that with these two young ladies is that I believe that they are a third at least of the Catholic meme empire on Instagram. I know it's hard. To, I know it's hard. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I wish you could see my face right now because I just I just had a moment where I realized that that is true. Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's nice about it is that so when we talk about evangelization, uh, 
this is like the new evangelization. There are people that we follow now who have YouTube channels and there are new podcasts going up, including this one. And also there are people who are using, I think, very like the cultural elements such as memes to to bring a Catholic kind of face and a Catholic sort of humor. I think guys like G.K. Chesterton would be proud, honestly. Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> and and it's a, a great way to to reach a lot of people. You know, people are plugged in whether they, they know it or not. They may encounter something that is Catholic. Uh, and humor, I think, is the best doorway uh, to enter into some of these things. So, yeah, absolutely. That's going to have to be its own other episode, huh? Humor humor in the Catholic Church which is just going to be like G.K. Chesterton the musical. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so today on Glad Trads, we are going to be talking about some real positive news. Uh, as I've said before, we attend a fraternity of St. Peter Church. And if you don't know what that is, if you're listening for the first time and you don't know what the FSSP is, the fraternity of, of St. Peter is essentially an organization of priests inside the Catholic Church whose entire dedication is the preservation and promulgation of the Roman Rite, the traditional Latin Mass that has been been used for thousands of years, but the form that we know is most common from uh, my boy, St. Pius V, uh, promulgated at the Council of Trent. That sounds about right. I believe so, yes. Um, if you're unfamiliar of, of what that means still, uh, if you take a look at your typical uh, Catholic Mass today, uh, you're probably going to the new rite, which is um, a result of various different liturgical changes that took place in the 60s and 70s. And the traditional Latin mass that we attend uh, has most of the the unchanged elements of the Latin mass, uh, sorry, of the mass itself uh, before these liturgical changes took place. So it's not just a commemoration, but rather it's uh, the mass is unified it's united to the sacrifice of Christ that still goes on today. It's outside of time. It's timeless. Oftentimes, the Latin Mass is described as the Mass of the ages and the Mass mm. for the ages. Mm -hmm. And it's funny to think about, but this is something that you see the traditional rite, and it literally connects us to ancestors hundreds, if not thousands of years dead. This is a kind of Mass, even though it's some of its forms and functionalities, obviously, with the slow... Uh, marring of tradition will change very, very small and very, very incrementally. And mm -hmm. all of these pointed towards God, which is wonderful and probably one of the most distinctive elements about it. So you're looking at a mass that very well St. Augustine would have understood. St. Thomas More would have understood. St. Thomas Aquinas would have understood. Mm -hmm. This is a mass that uh, my grandparents were, were born and baptized in and lived all the way up until young adults in that rite. Mm -hmm. So the idea is that this is the mass that literally from sea to shining sea, from coast to coast, was the mass for the Roman Catholic Church. Uh, and it's great now that in, in these times, it's coming back in full swing and it's being lifted up by, by a, a lot of young people. So with that being said, what we have found in order to kind of support that sort of thing is an article actually, and this comes from the missive, which is the Fraternity of St. Peter's, how would you say, like kind of their own newspaper, isn't it? Their own blog? Yeah, I think it's their newsletter. Mm -hmm. It's a newsletter, newsletter that's a good way of calling it, yeah. So they share all kinds of uh, different news within the, uh, the fraternity. Um, and they had this article that came out, I believe, uh, earlier in October, where they uh, discussed some of the growth that's taking place in the traditional parishes. And we have some of the numbers here. Uh, for, for example, at our parish, uh, we started about, I think we started at about 250 people mm -hmm. uh, averaging per mass. 
And that was uh, in the early part of 2018, and it quickly doubled to about 500 people, so much so that they had to add even more masses. The apostolate of the Fraternity of St. Peter had to find a church, and they found a permanent location in the valley, which is kind of where, where we're situated mm-hmm. now. What's nice about the two is, remember, it's it's about 500 uh, people. And when we talk about per mass, there are now two high masses or sung masses, sung solemn masses. And then there are two low masses. And especially at the high masses, we have to put out chairs in the vestibule because there's yeah. there's too many of us. We keep <laughs> we keep piling out. <laughs> so if you don't if you don't arrive there half an hour before mass, it's one of those you're not going to get a seat. Yeah, it's a, definitely a good problem, though. It's a great um, problem. You know, I don't I don't think I've ever been frustrated by that at all. I, I think it's just so, so amazing to see a parish bursting at the seams when you're used to seeing, you know, you know, half, half empty kind of, kind of churches, you know, people aren't going to mass, you mm-hmm. know, this and that. And you see people are on fire. Yeah. You know, they're very on much fire so. with their faith. So yeah. it's, it's very rewarding and enriching for, for your soul to see that. In, uh, you know, places like Florida, like, for example, there's an apostolate of the fraternity in Naples, Florida. There's a 20% growth. Um, There's also in Philadelphia and Rhode Island, uh, respectively, um, they started off from from nothing. Uh, Now, Philadelphia has 400 parishioners, regular parishioners. Um, Rhode Island going up to 300. Another statistic here is St. Anne Parish, uh, which is an apostolate in San Diego. And it was established in 2008. And despite only having uh, 200 or room for about 200 adults, it had reached up to about 800 parishioners by 2018, uh, with now three priests serving, uh, offering five Sunday masses. Mm. Now they're averaging over a thousand people. So we had a, a particular priest out from the fraternity who is in charge of monitoring and determining the fraternity's developmental growth. Mm-hmm. Essentially, where are they going to build new parishes or where are they going to be invited in by bishops, which is what has to happen if you are a, a priest of the fraternity of St. Peter, the bishop of the diocese invites you in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they also determine uh, what uh, current churches they have that they want to shore up. And what he was telling us is that this year in particular has been one of the best growth years for the fraternity. Ever since Pope Benedict's Smorum Pontificum in 2008, it's just been an explosion of growth. And these past couple of years, even with our own parish, I mean, we have, what is that? That's a, that's a 50% growth in a year, steady average. And it's climbing, by the way. There's always new people. Uh, across the whole fraternity, it seems to be about a 25 to 30% growth this past year, two years. Uh and what's funny is that it's all driven by the same thing. There are plenty of Catholics and even non-Catholics who are converting. Because, uh, for instance, I had never met an Orthodox convert until I came to the traditional Latin Mass. Uh, now two friends of ours are, are Orthodox converts, which is really kind of exciting to think about. And so what's funny is, like, in our parish, there's like plenty of people who are, a lot of them were lapsed Catholics that rediscovered tradition. Some of them are Catholics who needed something more. There are, of course, Protestants, atheists. I met an atheist who got converted by Father Ripperger, of oh. all people. He went. He got talked into a, a psychology conference, in quotes, from Father Ripperger <laughs> by a friend. And he tried to challenge him a little bit and got floored and uh, had, the, had the grace of God enough to start searching for answers. I know growing up, I always thought that Latin Rite Catholics or traditional Catholics were always kind of a weird group somewhere in the sticks of Kansas or Indiana or someplace. 
and uh, that it was just a generational kind of thing. I didn't realize that actually there's a great migration going on of especially young Catholics, but just Catholics across the board, wanting to rediscover the orthodoxy who are moving now in droves, as we've seen, uh, to the traditional Latin mass and to better orthodoxy. Um, and so I figured we'd just share our stories a little bit and, uh, and maybe that'll help you if you're in a place where you're deciding if going to the traditional Latin mass is the right way to go for your own spiritual life. So for me, I, I grew up in the, uh, the new rite of the mass, which is called the, the Novus Ordo. And um, I kind of started a little bit later in my life. I was about 20 years old when mm. I, I decided that I wanted to be a little more serious about my faith. I had a moment that was really a, a supernatural grace-filled moment where um, I was at mass one day. Um, I was going to mass at the time uh, to go with my father because I, I, I pitied him and I didn't want him to be alone. And so I was going specifically just to be with my dad. And um, I remember, I'll never forget this day, it was a Sunday mass. I was at the cathedral here in Los Angeles and there was a priest there that was speaking uh, during the homily about having an openness to God and, and having an open heart to receive God. And I received at that moment just a very, a very interesting sensation of burning desire in my heart. Um, and you know, it was a, it was a slow burn. It wasn't, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't anything like a, a matchstick, you know, igniting on fire immediately. It yeah, was, you, you weren't it was seeing a, palm to the ground. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was a smolder. And so over, over time, I started getting a little more serious about my faith. I, I went into RCIA so that I could receive my first Holy Communion. And after that, I, I was on fire, really. And I think that that happens to a lot of people uh, when they first, you know, start to take their faith a little bit more seriously. They, they have like all of these different graces, I think, for the most part. Mm -hmm. And the danger is when you start burning out a little bit. Luckily, luckily for me, that didn't happen. I, I was on fire. I started, uh, you know, discerning a vocation and, you know, I wanted to serve. And so I started serving and doing all these things. And about five years later of, of doing those those sorts of things, uh, you know, being more active in the parish and uh, really falling in love with the mass, falling in love with faith, uh, I started to realize that there was a lot of things that didn't make sense. Um and this is a glad trad podcast, so I'm not going to go into detail, but, you know, it got to the point where I started to to notice that it was a thief of peace uh, to go to mass and, and to see certain little liturgical abuses taking place, uh, not just at my home parish, but just at any mass that I went to, there was always something, you know, and um I remembered at the in, in the back of my head that one of my friends, Jordan Pacheco, he was going to the Latin mass. How's it going? And I said, you know what? I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to give it a try again. And I went there. I was a little lost. I'll be honest with you the first time, you know, yeah. trying to figure out what a missile is and how to get to the, the proper of the mass and all that stuff and all the readings. Um, but, you know, if there's any advice that I could give, if you're a first timer, just go and just enjoy the mass. Like, just be present, you know. Uh, there's a lot of talk about active participation, but the most active participation you can give is to, to just open your heart to be in that moment and realize that there's something going on that's, that's greater than you. It's greater than you singing along. It's greater than you reading the, you know, the, the reading, et cetera. Those things are good. Yes. 
Um, but yeah, I never, I'll never forget, you know, I was, I was just, I was lost. I was a little lost. And, um, at the end of it, I just realized that I, I really found something mm-hmm. and I found something special and I kept going and kept going. And I would tell my, my fiance, you know, oh yeah, I went to the Latin mass today and she would ask me, how is it? It's great. And eventually, you know, I st- there was something building inside of me and I wanted to tell her like, I want to be here. You know, I, I want to, I want this, I want this like yeah. forever. I oh, want yeah. this for the rest of my life, you know? And, and it was a nerve wracking conversation to have with her. Cause initially I think she had the same uh, stumbling blocks when she, when she came over, she, you know, she was saying, Oh, you know, this is a little confusing. I'm not sure I'm mm-hmm. a little lost, you know? And, you know, as somebody who, who, you know, doesn't want to, you know, plant an idea and, and be forceful about it. I was like, hey, you know, like, you know, she'll figure it out. Maybe there's an opportunity there. And a few weeks after that, we had started going there, you know, frequently, you know, a couple Sunday masses, uh, we were driving in the car together. We were going to brunch and I leaned over to Ashley and I, you know, I was like, well, what did you think of the mass? And she was like, you know what? I'm starting to get it. And I love it. And (laughs) I was like, Okay, well, <laughs> what would you think about doing this, you know, making this oh, yeah. our, our whole thing? Mm-hmm. And, and she was like, yes, let's do it. <laughs> and it was a huge weight lifted off my shoulders yeah. right? because we were, you know, we were trying to figure out, okay, we had just recently gotten engaged. And I was thinking, okay, well, like, where are we going to get our marriage preparation mm-hmm, done? Mm-hmm. Where are we going to go? Where are we going to do that? There was a, another parish that we we you know, decided we were going to do that at, we love the priest there, really orthodox, solid guy. And, you know, we're going to do that. And then when she told me that she was, she was down, she was down for the TLM. I was like, well, why don't we just do it there? (laughs) Why don't we just do it there? And she's (laughs) like, you know, I didn't want to say anything because I didn't, I didn't want to influence your decision. But I think we should do it too. And I was like, you know, that's funny, because that was my approach. I didn't want to influence your decision. Uh But it seems like this is this is the right place to be, and and we're here and we're in love with it. You know, we we have really grown to, uh, to uh, to appreciate the Latin Mass, appreciate the fraternity. Um, we we've gotten to meet so many incredible people. You know, yourself included, and kind of. and all kinds of different families. And you know, one of the other things that really struck me. Of, of starting to go to the Latin mass. It was the first thing I texted to Ashley. I told her, uh, hey, babe, all of the families are here. All of the young families are here. Absolutely. I, I, was, I was floored because I entered and I was like, this is insane. There are so many families. There's so many babies here. There's so many, and not just like old people, like young people, like mm, our age. Absolutely, I was like, yeah. wow, this is where everybody is. So it was a, it was a really a really wholesome kind of, uh, uh, you know, a wholesome kind of, uh, uh, outcome to crossing the Tiber, so yeah. to say. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was extremely happy when you came, by the way, Thanks. because, uh, my story, which I think is, is a little less turbulent. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I grew up like you in the Norvis Ordo. Uh, I was, I was an altar server since I was young. I was, I think I was a lector at some point, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. The um, I've always had an ear for history, mm-hmm. loved the history of the church. I, I was uber into the Crusades. Uh, right now I'm into early church history. Um, I loved the look, the smells, the bells, you could say. And I didn't get any of that really at the parishes where I was growing up. 
um except except for one place in particular and i never i've only gone to it once but in in denver colorado we have a cathedral basilica of the immaculate conception and it's beautiful architecture but of course since we live in the west uh our churches look like uh shacks because the wind in buffalo might blow them down <laughs> but um when I was a uh, when I was in late high school, I had a a Polish priest who was extremely influential in my life, and he was a very he is a very righteous and orthodox priest, the right kind of priest, and because he's Polish, also that just helps reinforce it, and that made such a tremendous influence on my life. I began dressing better for mass. I I'd always believed that the Eucharist was the source and summit of the Christian life. Uh, I'd always believed that it was Jesus, so I really began to to look at it as receiving a king. And I also remember uh, I had attended a couple of Latin masses at Our Lady of Mount Carmel in Littleton, Colorado, uh, which uh, is a very beautiful Gothic kind of Baroque church. And that's a fraternity church as well. So, hey, fraternity's been in Colorado for a while now. All right. That's awesome. <laughs> so I remember out here in California when I when I got here, I was attending uh, the Norris Order again, and I, I just wasn't really feeling fed after a while. Um, I won't go into too many details because it's the Gladchad podcast. Uh, but I'm sure that for many of our listeners, we all know that kind of moment where the faith we know is real, but there's that sort of barrier that we need to get past. That thing that unlocks us, that really transcends to the plane of heaven where the mass does you you see the sacrifice of calgary every single time and also you see that it is a mass of the ages so i googled latin mass near me i found the fraternity originally at saint victor's in hollywood now at saint vitus um and i just i remember i went there and the asparagus got oh, me man. oh i was in i was in tears for that oh. asparagus. i'd never i'd never heard anything so beautiful in my life in a church it's my favorite part of mass. It's by my the way. favorite. It yeah. is. It is every single time because the idea of mass is very simple. It is the most profound moment in all of history, and it's actually not even just a historical footnote. It is something that is happening all the time because it is locked into Christ's eternal sacrifice. This is a moment where quite literally heaven and earth meet, and it meets there at the transubstantiation on the altar. And so everything, and so the history of the church is very good about this, right? It's art, architecture, it's culture, it's teachings, all of it points to heaven. And so when you go to a traditional Latin mass, even if it's one that's happening just in, you know, the most like podunk gym looking church that the, 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 the diocese has, has uh, been kind enough to lend the fraternity, you see just by the mass itself that it points to heaven. The way that the priest looks, the way the servers look, the way the incense, the way the bells, everything. And remember that these external factors all point towards our inward dispositions. And ultimately, they point to, to God and how he sheds his graces upon the faithful. So I I went. I remember I went and I, I was like, I, I can't go back. <laughs> <laughs> but, what's, but what's funny is that one thing that I think would be very, very important for people who are considering is you have to also face the fact that it, there's going to be a second. There's going to be a time when you're going to feel like the only one. Now, Latin masses you go to, at least if you're especially the ones out here, Rudy's absolutely right. They're vibrant. They're full of young people and families. It is so I didn't realize this before. Maybe it's because I'm getting older and we're now we're now vocationally geared towards fatherhood, you and I. Mm -hmm. The sound of babies and a lot of babies in mass, because, uh, you know, what does what does Taylor Marshall say? Uh, if your parish isn't crying, it's dying. If, if your yeah. parish isn't crying, it's, it's dying. True. It's, true. I mean, it's true. And it's and these priests are so good about it, which is something that is really nice to see. These priests know that. And um, 
you you can just feel the graces that God is outpouring from the priests onto the faithful. It's true. You don't speak Latin. I don't know anybody who speaks Latin fluently. Maybe a couple people actually now thinking about it, mm-hmm. but just a couple. And uh, so my advice, I think, for people who are attending Latin masses, first off, you're going to be lost the very first one you're going to go to. Yeah. And especially if you go to a low mass instead of a high mass, I think that the first mass you should go to is a is a high mass or a, a solemn sung mass. I agree. So find the mass where you can see all the, everything on God's green earth on parade is the best kind of thing. And you're going to be lost. Being lost doesn't mean that you are not participating or that your heart isn't fully formed to the mass. Conform your heart to what's going on on the altar. And that gives the greatest glory to God you could possibly imagine. You don't need to know every single individual word that the priest is saying. You can. There are plenty of resources to do so. A lot of parishes are very good about supplying those resources themselves. You can go online and you can get essentially missiles for free. You can see the reading, see what the priest is saying. Or you could just buy a missile outright and maybe we'll do an episode on what sort of missiles we like. But it's okay. It's okay to sit back and realize what a sanctus sounds like, to realize what an asperge is, what the priest is chanting, where you stand, where you sit, where you cross yourselves. I mean, all the forms and functions that make Catholicism Catholicism are going to be on display. The second thing is that it's going to be kind of hard, I think. It was certainly one of the most hard things for me was coming back to my friends. And I'd known Rudy since I had been out here in Los Angeles. Uh, coming back and explaining to them, or especially explaining to your family, <laughs> the beauties of the traditional liturgy. Yeah, and yeah. and they might just not be there yet. I can tell you horror stories about that. Oh my gosh. Can't, <laughs> I, I don't have horror stories. I have... I have that's nice deer kind of stories. <laughs> you know? Oh man. Uh you you're gonna get different reactions. There's some people who are going to think that that's wonderful for you, even if that's not particularly for them. There's gonna be some people who are probably gonna have an allergic reaction and they're probably gonna start calling you all sorts of names. Uh as we're very much aware as traditional Catholics, what that could be like. Uh, the answer is that the traditional liturgy isn't supposed to be like a badge of honor and courage you now wear all the time. One thing I really like about traditional parishes, and maybe maybe you've seen this, is this. It seems like the confession line before every single mass is out the door. Yes. Even And it's funny because there are parishes that are like 10 times the size. And I love that. I love it. I love it. It's uh, great. The Latin mass makes me, makes me realize how much of a sinner I am. He makes me realize how much I need God. I'm like, I'm like, I am not worthy. Uh-uh. You know, it's the worst is when you're you're sitting in mass and, you know, in the homily, the priest will say something and he'll just totally call you out on something that you didn't even think about. Yeah. And you're like, okay, well, well, I can't receive our blessed Lord today. That's I'm right. Not, I'm not inwardly disposed to, to do that. That's you know? right. And That's it's right. Just, you grow and you learn and it's awesome. You know what? I was thinking while you were saying, you were saying that, um, there's there's sometimes a stigma too, like oh if I go to a traditional mass, I'm gonna run into all these trads and you know trads like oh man oh, they're man. so angry like what they're not even who what am I gonna do you know like oh, they'll eat me alive yeah they'll ex- smell the North Auto on me yeah, and get they'll scared s- they'll smell the sin on me oh. <laughs> <laughs> no but you know what I I've had an opportunity. I think I've been on both sides uh, Mm -hmm. where I was lost and people kind of directed me on what to do, or you can look over to your neighbor and see what they're, what they're doing. And Mm -hmm. there's always somebody who, who knows almost everything, you know, so you could look at them and, you know, Oh, I'm supposed to stand here. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm supposed to kneel here. Oh, okay. They're reading this part. Oh, whatever. But I've had the opportunity too, where people I've noticed that there's new people and they're fumbling through the missile or whatever. And you just, 
just kind of like you know you have your missile open you just kind of tap on them Nod a little them bit and like points. hey check it out this is where we're at mm-hmm. and i think most strads are are willing to do that there i don't think i've ever met a really mad trad that's because they wouldn't have any friends yeah <laughs> you know yeah that's because they, they 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 would they would completely ruin the beauty of the mass for themselves yeah that's not to say that they're not out there no of course not but I think for the majority of the people you're going to run into, they're not, they're not the stigma <laughs> trad, you know? Most people are happy that, that you are discovering the traditional liturgy. Absolutely. And also, here's the thing. It's like the analogy I'll give is this. When you go to the gym for the first time, you don't know any, you don't know how to do any exercises really except push-ups and you've seen a pull-up on TV and you feel like everyone's going to be watching you. I'm out of shape. I'm this. This guy is huge. This guy knows exactly what he's doing. This guy is counting his calories and I don't know any of that kind of stuff. Here's the reality of the matter. You even yourself can't remember what your 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 checkout girl at the grocery store looked like. Chances are that you've probably seen someone at the gym who's new and it just it doesn't affect you. And if they asked you for help, you'd happily give them help. This is the exact same when it comes to the mass. There's going to be people who are new that might not get it. But if they're trying, if they're showing reverence, it's it doesn't bother you one bit. In fact, you're happy if you have that ability to help them mm-hmm. because you're all pitching for the same side. You're all trying to give glory to God. Where else do you want someone who is lost on the mass to be on a Sunday morning? Not there. I mean, that, that'd be absurd. Living in Los Angeles and kind of in the culture that we're in, we, we, we're reclaiming a lot of, I think, very key Catholic culture points. Mm-hmm. That includes how to dress. That includes reverence. There are always new parishioners and people filtering in and out of, of, of traditional liturgies who, um, who aren't fully... Uh, understanding of all the dynamics going on at mass perhaps Mm -hmm. so you see people who dress differently you see people who don't quite know where everything's going on but i've always had this kind of thing where of all places for someone to be on a sunday where else would you want them yeah even if they're not dressed you know the most modestly or reverently or something Mm -hmm. these are these are things these are those little traditions that can grow in with time and if their their hearts are wired to god if they're really trying to give him the glory that's that stuff just comes naturally What's nice about our parish, and I think what's good about the, the the traditional movement that's rising, is that it is actual inclusion. I'm putting quotation marks around, <laughs> not the sort of not the sort of of inclusion that we're seeing in, in other parts of the church. It's just blind. Yeah, just this blind acceptance and tolerance. It's yep. it's it's by understanding its beauty and reverence, it wants everybody at the table. So our church, for instance, it doesn't. There's never been a time I've looked in the bulletin where it says like, if you are you have to dress like this, you have to stand up, sit down here, all that kind of stuff. But it's the natural culture of mm-hmm. being part of, I think it's a very fraternity parish kind of culture thing, but it seems to be across a lot of different yeah. traditional kind of parts of the church. Yeah, I think it develops over time, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I would say nobody's a professional right off the gate, you know. You don't, if you could piggyback off your gym example mm-hmm. is what I meant to say. You know, you don't you don't pop into the gym the first time you ever, you know, got a gym membership and you start benching 350. You <laughs> yeah, know? yeah. It just doesn't happen. It's impossible. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe it is, but you're going to hurt yourself. You mm-hmm. know, I think I think that it develops over time. Being going to a, to a traditional Latin mass doesn't make you a trad immediately. Yeah, you know, being a trad is like a cultural thing too. Mm-hmm. You know, the way that you you live your faith outside of the church. You know, how do you how do you uh, you know live live that in your day to day life? do you do you bring it up at work mm-hmm. oh yeah. that's an important one too yeah. and i think we're we're coming up to a time where it's it's time to to take off all the masks 
Yeah. We can't, we can't, we can no longer operate in the shadows anymore. We have, we're, we're Catholic and, yeah. and the culture it's, it's backwards. Now the people think that the culture should form the way that you believe mm-hmm. it's directly the opposite. It's not, ne- it was never like that. Yeah. Our faith was, was what formed the culture. And I think that's kind of where we're at right now, where it's like, everything seems kind of backwards, you know, like, where am I? How do I fit into this? Mm-hmm. The reality is, is that we have to shape the culture, you know? And, and I think it starts with, it starts with having a, a solid liturgy. Absolutely. Solid liturgy. Solid liturgy. Absolutely. Because if you don't have that, you know, like, I, I don't know. I mean, you're, 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 you're having energy drinks for dinner. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. You're running off a 24 hour energy shot. It which was, is, by the way, our sponsor. Just kidding. <laughs> if they want to be, though. You know, that, it, you know, running off energy drinks. Yeah, it was cute when you were a teenager, but it's been 50 years, and now you're a little old and really wired up, and now it's time to... Yeah, your time, kidney kind of hurts a little time bit. Time to eat something that's going to be good for you. Yeah, you need a couple vegetables. That's you know? right. A couple vegetables. Listen to what your mom said. Listen to your mother, just like we're listening to our mother, you know? Yeah. Uh, this is something... So if you are, if you are discerning, shall we say, I'm not being fed where I'm at in my own spiritual life. And I think I want to attend the Latin Mass. First off, figure out if that's even possible. For a lot of us still, uh, Latin Mass parishes, whether they are fraternity or diocesan, are, are popping up a lot of different places. And now we're actually really spoiled. Our parents' generation, it was like scattered to the four winds. Now yeah. it's it's, like, you know, it's just so, such a option skipping a jump up from us. But you know, if something is two hours away, really kind of determine if that's uh, that's the thing that you absolutely need obviously take your family's considerations into account from there be prepared not just to go because of the smells and the bells which is i think a a, a criticism you'll hear a lot of times uh, mm. which we have to be mindful of it's true yeah am i going here because i get to dunk on novus ordoites every chance yeah. i get am i going here for aesthetics yeah yeah, yeah. am i am i is my internal disposition still the same and now i just get to be a triumphalist in the wrong way yeah uh, or am I really trying to give glory and honor to God the way that he deserves glory and honor as close as humanly possible as we can give him? Mm-hmm. Uh, so internal disposition is everything. It's absolutely everything, which is why uh, you will see different people in the mass. There are some people who pray rosaries in mass, right? You hear about you hear about that kind of silly little mm-hmm. criticism. And the answer is that they are completely wired into what's happening on the altar. Yep. They don't need to know every single part of the confiteor in order to absolutely agree and and pray alongside the priest to give glory and honor to God. So these are just a couple of things. Um, now, that was all the nice, good stuff. That's the feel good. That's a feel good. We're glad, Trads, we as wanna, we say. We want to leave you with a feel good feeling. You yeah, know? That's right. Just kind of... <laughs> maybe you're driving you know somewhere right now you're listening to us in your car Uh you're having a stressful commute yeah we're trying to help hopefully that was just a little bit of just a a little bit of heaven but now but now it's the real meat and bones for two minutes it is now time for mad trads (laughs) mad trads i mean there's also plenty to get mad at mad trads so for those real quick, the mad trad part of the podcast, we have two minutes and we just get to vent. Just just a real quick, the facade of glad, not the facade of glad trads. We are really glad trads. Uh, but we're going to have a little bit of fun because what's uh, what's a little bit of Catholicism without a little bit of fun? <laughs> All right. The clock has started now. What are we talking about? 
Well, I'm sure you heard some of the news uh, that's causing quite a splash. Oh, a splash. The mama <laughs> told me about that a little bit ago. Mama, splash. Oof, ooh. <laughs> my mom's name is Patch. Oh, my gosh. Just kidding. She's not. <laughs> but, uh, you know, some of the criticisms that we've been hearing of these these really heroes they're I'm heroes gonna call them they're heroes. crusaders and god loves them <laughs> i'm gonna call them heroes the, the heroes of of the tiber yeah heroes oh, that's okay heroes of the tiber I'd, I'd it's like a video movie. game yeah, that's right but there's so many criticisms of these guys like oh they went in there they stole they, they stole. broke in how could like, they do this they didn't break in it was open <laughs> it was open <laughs> And they threw they threw out these like horrible wooden idols. They're idols. They're actually it's so idols. obvious. And people keep saying, "Oh well, you know, it's the Blessed Mother and Saint Elizabeth." They, it's like, no, it's, no, it's not. not. The Vatican <laughs> said this is not a representation of our Blessed Mother. Yeah, they're going. It's our it's our Lady of the Amazon. Yeah, it is not. We do not do depictions of Our Lady two D and naked. By the way, with her womb open. And by the way, no Christ in the womb too. Yeah. Let's get real for a second here. They're heroes, absolutely. I, I always, I want a picture. I, I want them. I think one day we're gonna see them on like Taylor Marshall, maybe like you a couple so? years from now. So it'll be like, yeah, we did it. They're not gonna get excommunicated. God bless them. They're heroes. You know, <laughs> they are they are being protected by our mother. Yeah, listen, you're gonna hear this all the time that there was a violation of church property. How could they do this? Here's the thing. As Roman Catholics, we have a diligence to the first commandment. Absolutely. How long have we been telling Protestants that we don't pray to the saints, the statues, all that kind of stuff? So Wait, here we don't. Oh, did the secret? Oh, sorry, dude. <laughs> so if you see idolatry in your parish, of course. Oh, the minute, the two minute, see if I mean the two minute hates up. Well, I think we started a little later. Ah, okay, we'll wrap up oh, let's real just quick. Keep going let's a keep bit. going. Yeah, let's get mad. Bro. Idolatry is a very, very serious sin. It is breaking the first commandment. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. You will not have any gods before me. That includes golden calves. That includes Pachamamas, by the way, in case Absolutely. anyone needs to know. What we need to do as good, good sons of the church is we need to pray, of course, for all the people involved in these idolatrous rituals. That That's not just the, the natives who brought this here or maybe were sent it, who knows. But it also includes the the cardinals and the bishops and others uh, who, who are unfortunately alongside this plan. Idolatry is a very serious sin. If there's idolatry in your church, you as a Catholic have an obligation to Holy Mother Church to defend the church against such things. Also, why not just St. Boniface something? He cut down that pagan tree, that 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 thor tree yep. and looked real cool doing it giant oak don't you want to be like saint boniface <laughs> yeah absolutely i i think you know it's it's just it's gotten to the the point where we have to do this mm -hmm. we have to fight back yeah our our churches are being taken from us taken yeah and we're we're just along for the ride no nah, i don't think so not anymore that's right no that's absolutely right that was our first episode. That was our first episode. We want to thank you for spending time with us and hearing us out. If you're considering uh, possibly attending a Latin Mass, uh, there's some good resources that you can check out. One of them is, uh, I believe it's called Latin Mass Finder. That's right. That's absolutely right. Uh, you can find uh, a Latin Mass around you. And if you're fortunate to live in the United States, the United States has had really an explosive growth as it's we mentioned initially yeah of of the traditional right and there's a lot of there's a lot of different parishes that are offering that so check out latin mass finder it's also it's also very good because it tells you the affiliation of the latin mass which is very important uh we are fraternity latin mass people on the app you can also see if something's diocesan if something's unaffiliated which i would advise you to be very careful of you do not want to stumble into a, a society of pius the fifth 
uh, because you'll probably get that's the place you'll probably get those are those are probably yeah. mad trads you'll probably get eaten up you won't survive they can <laughs> probably smell the nervous order on you um, I will not I'm not going to say anything good or anything bad at this moment about the society of Pius X uh, but you can see the affiliation of whatever uh, chapel or parish that you are planning on visiting so if that's what you want to do again Latin mass finder is the app that you want and it will get you exactly where you need to go if you are timed to crossing the Tiber this time in Latin. Thank you guys so much for listening to our first uh, podcast. We hope that God blesses you and rewards you in all the things that you do. Remember to be praying the rosary constantly. We are at war and you too need to be a glad trad. The army, the church militant is on the rise, on the move. And uh, we need all the people, all the people. Take up some spiritual arms. If you see any Pachamamas, don't be afraid to throw them in a Tiber. It's totally okay. God loves you for it. Absolutely. <laughs> and now, now is the time to pick up the rosary, which yeah. is which is the the ultimate weapon. The greatest weapon that yeah. God has given us. We got our backs to the mountain here. We got mm -hmm. nowhere else to go. It's about time that we melt down our plowshares again and we beat them up into swords. That's right. And our okay. swords are beautiful rosaries. Uh, you see those, you see those gun steel ones? Real quick, you see those ones made out of like gun steel? Those beautiful like battle rooms. Those. those are the ones yeah. I don't care what anyone says. Those are the ones I believe the Padre Pio wrapped around his knuckles to fight the devil with. <laughs> <laughs> Padre Pio, who once said, Bring me my weapon. That's right. He was referring to the, the rosary. Oh, what a Chad. Every single day of the year, you got to pray that. That's right. Absolutely. That's right. a non negotiable. Non negotiable. Welcome to the battlefield, son. Yep. Until next time, we're here at Glad Chad Podcast. God bless you. Mary keep you. Adios. Oh, 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 oh,